are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. All right, take your Bible, please. Turn with me to Romans chapter number 5 this evening. Book of Romans chapter number 5. It's been good to be in church today, hasn't it? We came back last Sunday, and when I came in and walked around, last, it almost felt weird, but not in a bad way. You don't realize how long that was until you get back. And it just felt good to be back in church. And uh, this morning, whenever we were up here and looking out out there, I just said, man, it, you know, I know this isn't even close to our, our normal crowds, but it just seems like a sea of people actually, after being in an empty auditorium for so long. And uh, looking forward to what God's going to do tonight. And uh, the thought God's laid on my heart, I think it'll be a help to us. I hope it will. Romans chapter number 5. Let's read verse number 12. We'll read down through verse number 19 this evening. If you're able to stand, why don't you stand with me to give you a chance to stretch because... You know, by about 10 o'clock tonight, you'll be glad you got a chance to stretch. Romans chapter number 5, and uh, it's good to have have Lincoln in the building. I'm a little bit nervous about what's going to happen. He's very interactive, so uh, shh. All right, Romans chapter 5, verse number 12. The Bible says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many." And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men in the justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. If you noticed it, you probably did, but in those last ten or so verses, we read eight of them, but in those last several verses, there's a word mentioned twelve different times. It's over and over and over again, and really what these verses are doing, they're comparing and contrasting individuals, two individuals, one man, one man, one man so much negative, one man so much positive, one man so much pain and hurt, and one man so much healing and help, one man, one, one. Maybe I'm the only one who feels like this, but I'll ask you, Brother Shilton, do you ever wonder... I'm only one person. Can I really make a difference? I don't know. You ever feel like that, Brother Yaakov? You're just one. And there's a sea of voices. I have one voice. I don't know. What do you think, Brother Brown? You ever feel like that? You watch the news and you see the crowds in our city squares and our streets and think, look at that. And then here am I. I'm only one. For a little while this evening, I want to kind of address that thinking. And I want to preach on that thought. I'm only one. 
Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight, please. I pray that you'd encourage our church family. It's true, Lord. That's what I am. That's what we are. We're all individuals. What can we do? Can we make a difference? I pray you'd help us to see from the Bible the answer to that here this evening. Thank you for church. I pray you'd move in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Let me give you an illustration to begin the message. In 1645, one vote gave Oliver Cromwell control of England. One vote. In 1649, one vote caused Charles I of England to be executed. Just one vote. In 1776, one vote determined that English and not German would be the American language. Just one vote. In 1845, one vote brought Texas into the Union. In 1868, one vote, just one, saved Andrew Johnson from impeachment. In 1875, one vote changed France from a monarchy to a republic. This is a big one. In 1923, one vote. One vote gave Hitler control of the Nazi party. So let's consider this this evening. We're not talking about small things, but we're talking about world-changing events history-altering moments, hanging by and hinging upon one vote. Consider that with me, the power, the influence, the impact that one vote can have. I read a statement that says one candle's a small thing, but one candle can light another candle. And as it gives its flames to the other, watch how greatly the light is increased. Woodrow Wilson, before he became president, went and visited a barber shop and he told the story years later as he walked in the barber shop there was a man getting his hair cut and Woodrow Wilson said I didn't know who the man was he said I could tell he was somebody but I didn't know who he was he thought maybe he's a statesman maybe he's a, a, a rich businessman he's a leader of some kind but he said I didn't know who he was he said the man spoke and as he spoke everybody in that place their attention was arrested by the words that came from his mouth he said I could tell that that man genuinely cared about those that were serving him he said, I sat there in the chair and just watched the man and he got his hair cut and finished and left. And he said, I looked at the barber and said, who was that man? And the barber said, oh, that's the preacher. His name's D.L. Moody. Woodrow Wilson made the statement. He said, I noticed the singular effect that that one man had on all the other men in the room that day. A famous general said, every soldier must know before he goes into battle how the little battle he's to fight will impact the big picture. The success of his fight will influence the whole battle. One vote can make a difference in an election. One election can make a difference in our world. One battle can change the outlook of a war. One day can have within its 24 hours events that can change, not just that day or even days, but weeks, months, and even years down the road. And so it is, I believe, that each and every person packs within themselves enough potential to make a difference on this world, whether it be for good or whether it be for bad. I think about the poem, my life shall touch a dozen lives before this day is done and leave a dozen marks for good or ill ere sets the evening sun. And just like you throw a rock into a lake and ripples go every direction, so every person in this place, every person in this world packs a mighty payload of, of potential to influence our world. I like this statement, I'm only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I'll not refuse to do that something that I can do. 
Now, I disagree in many ways with his politics, but I like the statement that uh, John F. Kennedy made in a speech a long time ago when he said he believed every man can make a difference and every man ought to try to make a difference. Great things hinge on small things. Big things can hang by small threads. And I believe today that in spite of the overwhelming circumstances, in spite of the overwhelming needs in our world, that every one of us with God have the ability to make an outstanding difference in our world. I ask that question to myself from time to time. Can I really make a difference? I'm only one. Now, I don't want to hurt your confidence in me, but I feel like I need to be transparent and I know this isn't a confessional booth and I don't want to hurt your, I mean, I don't want to hurt my integrity, but I got to be honest with you and tell you this. I've never come clean and told you this before and this might hurt your faith in me, but I've never won a spelling bee. In fact, I'm anti-spelling bee. If they're going to do away with dodgeball, we ought to do away with spelling bee. Say amen right there. I hate those things. Every time we'd have those in school, I was praying for cat, dog, or something like that in the first round, at least to get to the second round. Seemed like every time I'd draw out super fragile, calalistic, ishpi, halidocious, or something like that, discombobulated or conundrum, and I was both of those things, you know. I had no idea what was going on. So I'm not too good at spelling. But I want to give you a word tonight to consider, and I never miss this word in a spelling bee. Just just a little word, and here it is, that word I. Think about it. It's such a small word. It's just one letter. Now, when I consider that word I in respect to our world, seems kind of small. When I think about the size of this planet, the miles around, the radius of our world, the volume of water, all the land that stretches, I seems pretty small. When I think about all the people, the billions and billions and billions of people in our world, and then I consider I, can I tell you, it feels kind of small. I mean, what kind of a difference can one man really make? What kind of an impact can one lady really make? I grew up in a small town. In fact, the town where I'm from has less people in the city limits than we would have on a normal Sunday in our church. The city limit sign to my town, if you look through the, the, the bullet holes in it, it says about 2,000 people inside the city limits. There are more cats, dogs, and squirrels in that town than people. And I grew up that way. In fact, if I went back to my hometown tonight, I can tell you who lives almost in every house in that town because nobody moves in and out. The only time they move out is when they get buried on the hill outside of town. Nobody moves from that place. In fact, they thought it was like going to a foreign country when we came to California. I mean, it's still the talk of our little town back there in Mayberry, West Virginia. But anyway, that's just how it was. I grew up in a town with just 2,000 people. My graduating class, my entire class, 180 people in my grade in that big public school and we only had one school in our whole county, so that's all the kids in my grade in that county. I went off to college. I went to a college town. There's about 20,000 people in the town, about 10,000 college students to 30,000 people. Man, I discovered quickly I was a small fish in big water. I started to feel kind of insignificant. I thought thousands and thousands of people. I mean, what in the world am I? I felt kind of small. I took one of my freshman classes. I think it was psychology or something. There were more students in that one class than I had in my entire grade in my little country high school that I graduated from. I thought, man, you know, what am I going to do? I'm like a little seashell floating in the sea of life. I mean, what in the world? I mean, what a big thing. And then I move out here. And you drive here. You, know, you, have, you have paved roads, indoor toilets. I mean, it's awesome. Old preacher Billy Kelly said, uh, he said, my mama prayed and daddy for one, one for Christmas got her a bathroom. 
Next year she prayed and we moved it in the house. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, you move out here and you drive around, but you go through this valley and there's two million, the preacher said, two million people. You drive around San Jose and I do that, drive through town and just drive so I can try to learn the area. And a million people in that city and you see all the people out walking and a lot of them from different places. And I tell you, it's overwhelming when you see the number of people and the number of needs every person represents. And then you consider you in light of that crowd out there. Think about it. What is one compared to so many? All the different languages, and then there's me. All the different nationalities, and then there's me. All the things in this world, always changing, and then there's me. The world, I mean, it moves at such a rapid pace. I don't even know what I'm supposed to be mad about today because it changes every 24 hours, and then here am I. I mean, all the needs and all the problems. I mean, it's like a grain of stardust floating through the galaxy or like a piece of sand on the seashore, one blade of grass sprouting up in a field. What is one compared to so many? All the obstacles, all the unrest, the volatile climate of our generation. What is one compared to a multitude? Think about it. What kind of a difference can one person really make? I'll say it like this. What is one voice compared to a street full of shouting voices? What is one act compared to the actions of a majority? What is one church when you consider all the people that work around the clock to shut down the church? You remember the poem, a motivating poem, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And that's a motivating poem. It motivates us to serve God, but it also puts our life in striking perspective because newsflash, that's exactly what you are. And that's what I am. And that's what I have. And that's what you have. I don't have many hands. I have two hands. I don't have many feet. I have two feet. I don't have many voices. I've got this voice. I don't have many bodies. This is it. I've only one life. And you're only one life. And sometimes I step back and think, God, I see the crowds. I see the sea of people. I see the opposition mounting. They've got the numbers. And God, here am I. I am only one. I look back and I think about it and say, God, can I make a difference? Can I really change anything? Do I even matter? It's like I'm preaching into a vacuum, you think. Maybe I'm just shouting uh, into an echo chamber. Do I really matter? Recently, I was reading through the book of Romans. Now, Romans chapter 5 is one of my favorite Bible chapters. In fact, there's a verse in Romans chapter 5 that literally changed my forever. As you read in Romans chapter 5, there's a verse tucked away in this chapter that God used to convict me of my sin, and I got saved because of a verse in Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. In fact, I'll say it like this. I'm here tonight, and I'm going to be in heaven someday because of Romans chapter 5 and one verse, verse number 8. I remember sitting in that little country church, and that preacher, I mean, he just let it rip. And I'm glad that day he brought some preaching with him when he came to the pulpit, by the way. And he just reared back and preached. He's mad at everything. I don't know if God was in it or not, but he got all over me. And, man, he's just letting her fly. And he spit on the first five rows. My eyes were big around his paper plates. And I, back then, I was scared to death, and now I get more nervous when they don't preach. But anyway, he just let it rip. He wound it down and gave an invitation. He said, but God commended his love toward, and I thought he plugged my name in. Sounded like Justin in the wire. Yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
And man, I remember God used that as the barbed hook to bring conviction into my life. And I realized I'm not going to heaven because I'm an American and I'm not going to heaven because my parents go to church. I'm going to hell lost without God. And God convicted me of my sin. And that, that verse is what got me in. And I thank God for that verse. By the way, do you have verses like that in your Bible? Man, I've got it marked right here in this Bible. I've got it written in the margin of this Bible right there beside it. This verse changed my life. I'm glad for those kind of verses, aren't you? I like to go back through my Bible and I go back and it's almost like seeing an old friend. It's like pulling into home and seeing family. It's like an old ancient landmark and I go back there and remember how God used it before and then God uses it again and I thank God for those, don't you? You have some of those? By the way, let me say this. You ought to learn how to live in this book and you also ought to learn to love living in this book. We've got a lot of Bible believers who aren't even Bible readers, but I tell you, I'm glad I got some verses that have changed my life. Now you read through these verses and let's look at it. I've got to get to the message. I'm just kind of messing around. Let me get to the message. You read in these verses and you notice something over and over. There's a theme in these verses. I've read this chapter more times than I can count, but I want you to notice it. 12 times in the last eight to 10 verses of this chapter, there's a word mentioned. You look at your Bible and you'll see it. That word is that little word, one. It's found twice, rather once in verse number 12, twice in verse 15, twice in verse 16, three times in verse 17. You ought to underline it sometime. Twice in verse 18 and then twice again in verse 19. And what God is doing is he's, he's presenting us with a great emphasis placed upon the difference, the impact, the influence that an individual can have on the world. Now, right out of the starting gate of our text, Paul comes out with some pretty plain preaching. By that I mean he comes out of the gate and just simply says, you're sinners. You like that? Romans 5 verse number 12. Wherefore is by one man sin entered the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And I thank God for that kind of preaching, plain preaching. I don't want to have to try to figure out what a man's trying to tell me. Just tell me how it is. I don't need to know the scientific name for a raccoon. Just tell me it's a raccoon. If he's dead, don't say he's deceased. Just say he's dead. I like it like that. It'll be just fine. I thank God for it. And that's what Paul does. But what's interesting is this. Notice what he says. Wherefore is by how many men? One man sin entered the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon how many men? All men, right? So one man. So the entrance of sin, this is interesting. Sin came into the world, not because of the actions of a majority, not because of the actions of a multitude. Sin crept into this world all because of the action of one man. One man sinned and death passed upon all men. Now, you know the story. In the Garden of Eden, God created a perfect man, put him in a perfect place. Can you imagine the Garden of Eden? No sin whatsoever, no stain of sin, no sight of sin, nothing bad about it at all. No clouds in the sky, everything perfect. No dust would rise up from the ground as man would walk. He would work the field and no sweat would trickle down his brow. The roses had no thorns upon their stems. Their petals were a vibrant crimson. Think about how perfect it was. I mean, so perfect. All the cows would give chocolate milk. Can you imagine that? Wouldn't that be good? I mean, the roosters crew about 11 o'clock in the morning. I always say, and the bunnies lay Cadbury eggs. I mean, just great place. But you know the story. One day, Adam sinned. 
And when Adam disobeyed God, he became a transgressor. Now think about this. He sinned one man, just an individual, one man, just a single person. But his choice contaminated all of mankind. So God, here it is, created Adam with potential. By the way, he created Adam with enough potential to change the world. And that same God created you and I with a measure of potential as well. Adam was created with the ability to influence. He was designed so that his life could make an impact. Now, I don't think he understood how far-reaching the impact of his actions would be. He probably did not think he'd be the subject of a sermon in 2020. But we are still experiencing the ripple effect of Adam's influence, the difference that he made right now as you sit in church this evening. Adam, that one grain of sand on the seashore. Adam, that one blade of grass in the field. Adam, that one piece of stardust floating through the expanse of space, Adam made a choice, did something with his life, and he impacted the world so negatively. Think about it. Because of Adam, man went from consolation to condemnation, from fellowship to separated from God, from honor to shame, and it only took one man to do it. It took one man to take all of us from grace to law. It took one man to move all of humanity from Eden to a cursed creation. It took one man to put on the rest of us a sentence of living under the wrath of God. One man fell and knocked all the rest of us down with him. Think about it like this. One man brought sin into this world. Every person who's in hell and will go to hell, they'll be there, yes, because of their own sin, but they can thank Adam for even bringing sin into the picture. By Adam, one man's sin entered the world. And when sin crept into this world, all the bad effects of sin came with it. One man did all this. Let me, t- let, me, let, me, let me illustrate it for you. One man. By one man, heartache came into this world. The actions of one man. By one individual, sickness entered this world. By one person, murder entered this world. By Adam, one man, hate came into this world. By Adam, one man, atheism came into this world. Millions have suffered due to cancer. Why? One man. Millions have lost their lives in war. Why all the bloodshed? One man. Many have been buried on mountainsides and in valleys across our world. Why? One man. Families have grieved the loss of their loved ones in those services. Why? Because of the actions of one man. Check the hospitals. Check the courtrooms. Go to the jail cells. Go down to the streets and look under the bridges. Why all this in our world today? I'll tell you why. One man. Go to the ghetto. Go to the big houses. Go to the small country towns and the big cities of our country. Look at all the distress and all the heartache and all the brokenness there. Why is that? It can all be traced back to the impact, the difference, if you will, made by one man. So let me go back and ask the question, can one man really make a difference? Can one man really influence that much? Can one person really make an impact on a generation? Now, you continue through these verses and you find that God begins to contrast Adam with somebody else and thank God for that. You read on down through these verses and Paul does not finish his discourse with Adam. And by the way, I'm glad God didn't finish the discourse with Adam either. But Paul goes on under inspiration of God and he kind of transitions from one man, Adam, and begins to tell us about another man, one individual, Christ. 
Adam fell into sin. And because of that, all of humanity was lost and owed a sin debt. But thank God Jesus came and he undid everything Adam had done in the Garden of Eden. Adam had much potential. Adam had much ability. Adam had much influence to offer. And he used it for the wrong purpose. But thank God there's another side to that equation. I'm glad we have the example of one man making a difference on the negative. But we have an example of another making a great difference on the positive. Just as one man negatively affected so many, the Bible gives us another man that influenced so much so well. Look at verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, here it is, which is by one man. Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many. Just as one man plunged all of us into sin, thank God another man came and threw us all a lifeline so that we could get out of sin. You read this chapter and there's a contrast between Adam and Christ. In one, everything's messed up. In another, everything's made right. In one, everybody is under judgment. In the other, we're all set free from the judgment. There's an impact here. There's an influence here. One man can make a difference. Jesus came. Thank God for that. Jesus came. The God man. He came. Born in Bethlehem's manger. He left heaven for earth. He veiled his deity in humanity. He walked among sinners on earth so one day sinners might live with him up in heaven. He undid everything that Adam had done in the garden. You say, boy, Adam sure did make a mess. Yeah, but Jesus came and cleaned it up. Just as Adam influenced so negatively, Thank God for Jesus. He came and influenced the world so positively. Adam fell and took us down, but Christ rose and we can be raised in his likeness. Now, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough words. There's not enough paper. We don't have a large enough spreadsheet to go through the stats, if you will, of all that Jesus has done. It'd be impossible. Just like all the negative. Can I say for every negative Adam, there's a million positives on the side where Jesus is as far as influence. But let me just hit a few by one man many were able to become the sons of God by one man all of humanity was given opportunity to trade out hell for heaven by one man those who were rebels from righteousness could be reconciled and become a joint heir with Christ by one man how many millions of lives have been altered for all eternity by one man grace came by one man love came by one man mercy came by one man redemption came by one man reconciliation came by one man forgiveness came by one man atonement came by one man propitiation came by one man we got brought back to by one man Jesus one man changed all of history one man altered the devil's plan one man brought us into fellowship with God one man stole the sting from death and victory from the grave one man gave hope to those that had no hope all the hurting healed all the wounds healed how by one man imagine all the happy homes because of one man Imagine all those who can sleep with peace in their heart at night because of one man. Imagine all those, all those who aren't what they used to be. It's all because of one man. Imagine all the drunkards who are dry now because of one man. Imagine all the dopers that are not doping now because of one man. Imagine all those that were lying now telling the truth. Why? Because of one man.
Imagine all those who were selfish now living for others. Why? One man. Imagine all those who used to have no direction in life now having a clear path in life. Why? Because of all me, uh, the one man. Think about this. You go to the ghettos, you see the fingerprint of Adam all over the place. But can I say you also find the fingerprint of this other fellow there? You go to the big cities, you'll find the effects of Adam there, sure. But thank God you can still find the effects of the other fellow over there too. In fact, let me ask you this. Anybody in here saved tonight? Hmm. What can wash away my sin? It wasn't your baptism, was it? What can wash away my sin? It wasn't wafers or, or anything like that, was it? I'd tell you why. All of us are going to go to heaven one day if you're saved, all because of one man. I wonder how many scarred lives have been healed, how many wicked men are now upright, how many that were struggling are now thriving, how many crooked have been made straight. How did it happen? One man, you drive these streets and you can see his fingerprint from that nail-scarred hand all over the place on broken homes that are now put back together and wayward children now brought home and those ones who used to live in hate, now living in love. Why? Because of one man. One man messed it up. One man broke it all. But one man came and cleaned up the mess. Talk about influence. I don't know, Brother Shilton, I asked you, what do you think? Sometimes you wonder, I don't know, can I make a difference? Does my life really matter, Brother Brown? I mean, honestly, I'm just one among so many. Let me apply this. Lately, I've been watching too much news. And the reason for that is you fellas and some of you ladies are watching that radio broadcast and now I'm a prisoner to it and I've got to watch the news. I'm not bitter about it, I just don't like it. I'm just kidding. Lately, I've been watching the news and I see the numbers and it's weird to me, some days they're rising even from those who've been affected and impacted by what some are calling uh, this pandemic. And there's masses of people right now living in outright fear. And it seems like it's more magnified, at least right now, to me that I'm just one among so many. I've watched the news, and I guess it was last week that I first saw it. I didn't even plan to see it. It just popped up on my phone. But I've watched the news and seen the rioting in our streets and uh, buildings on fire and windows broken out of cars. And I've seen the protests and the masses of people involved in that. And I tell you, it's a little bit overwhelming. It's a little bit unnerving. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing when they're downtown doing it, but you think, what if they come down my street? And I've been watching the news, and I've been seeing people calling for lawlessness and defacing monuments, and in some states, pulling down statues. And from my vantage point, I just feel kind of small and unable to really help what's going on. I read the reports, and some of them are positive, but many are negative about churches going to court and suing their local authorities to go to church. And even lately, in our state and in other states, they've lost some of those cases. And I begin to think, Lord, I'm only one voice versus a sea of dissenting voices. I'm one outlook against an opposition of collective opposite outlooks. I'm one life trying to navigate these days, and it seems like there's a lot of lives going in a different direction. I can't fill a city street. I can't personally go and block the Golden Gate Bridge. I can't shout over a thousand people. I can't combat the misinformation that can get sp spread through media outlets. 
And I watch that and I hear that and I see that. And I'll be honest with you, I feel kind of small. The Bible said when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. But sometimes I see the multitudes and it moves me with fear. Sometimes the loudest voice wins the debate. And our voice has been silenced the last three months to a large extent. Our outreach is not what it needs to be or what we want it to be. And I look out in our culture and see so much division. And a political class, by the way, that's doing this to profit from the division. And I look out in our culture and I see anger, outright anger and hatred. By the way, a lot of what we're going through, we can even say this, is traced back to the actions of an individual. A lot of what we're seeing right now in our streets. But I watch all of this and it kind of overwhelms me and I think, it's just I, just me. I'm just one. And it seems like I'm in the minority. And that truth is magnified more than ever before right now. And I ask God, what can I do? I'm one person, I'm one life, I'm one voice. And I don't want to be discouraged and I don't try to be pessimistic, but can I say it looks like the odds are definitely not stacked favorably for us. I watched yesterday on my phone as there's a flag-raising ceremony, and I'm for flag-raising ceremonies. If you want to raise the American flag, I'm all for it. If you want to even raise the state of California flag, I even, I'm for that. If you wanted to, well, I better not say what, if you want to raise the West Virginia flag in California, I'm for that. Maybe one of these days we'll get another flagpole out there. I don't know. But anyway, but I watched the mayor, and we're not against them, but I watched the mayor and city council flag-raising ceremony yesterday, and it wasn't an American flag, and it wasn't the state of California flag. But it's June, so it was a gay pride flag. And so that flag flies over our city building right now in Santa Clara, California. I watched that. I watched the mayor of Los Angeles bow down and say, I'm going to defund the police department. I just saw in Minneapolis where they're voting to defund the police department. I also saw another group of police, about 40 policemen, resign because of the treatment that they're facing right now. And so that's the America that we're living through right now. These are probably the weirdest days I've ever lived in in my life. Got to be the strangest time I've ever experienced. Never in my life. I mean, I never, we never read about these kind of things in our history books. Even I've never seen anything like it. But I want to try to encourage your heart this evening the way God encouraged mine. Don't let the devil and don't let doubt diminish the truth that even though the odds are stacked against us, and it looks like the deck is not in our favor. Don't let the devil and don't let doubt and don't let discouragement diminish the truth in your heart that every person in this place right here tonight packs enough potential to make a difference in our generation. Can I say that God has you here for such a time as this? God has this church here for such a time as this. And we might not can do everything, but we can all do something. And I believe every life in here counts with God. And every person in here matters to God. And every one of us has enough potential to do something in this generation for the glory of God. As, as things are going on in our world, and you know all about it. We don't have to go back through it. All these negative things in the news. You might feel like I do it sometimes and say, God, what can we do about it? 
about it? Can we really make a difference? And if you look at it from the human standpoint, it's enough to drop your sword and pick up your briefcase and go to the house and just say, I quit. But can I say that one man, one lady with God can make a difference in our generation? You just read your Bible. And it's found throughout the scripture, just one person, Noah, he built an ark and saved mankind from annihilation. Just one man named Moses led God's people to the promised land. Just one man, Daniel, stood against all the wickedness in Babylon. Just one man, Abraham, stepped out by faith and changed all of history. Just one man, Joseph, kept his integrity. Just one man, Jeremiah, preached in an hour of apostasy. Elijah, one man. Isaiah, one man. Gideon, one man. John the Baptist, just a voice, but he used his voice for God. Esther, just one lady, but her nation sure was glad that she took a stand. And you might just be one and I might just be one, but can I say that's all we need? We need one man who say, I'm going to preach the Bible faithfully. I'm going to preach it. We need one person, an individual, say, you know what? I'm going to love my children. I'm going to raise them right. We need one person, one individual that'll say, you know what? I'm going to teach that Sunday school class. One individual, I'm going to keep working that bus route. One individual, like the preacher said this, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. One person who says, you know what, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. One person who's going to determine the devil's not going to corrupt me. This culture's not going to soften me. I'm not going to let sin derail me. I'm going to finish my course with joy. Thank God greater is he that's in me than he that is in this world. And I tell you what we need tonight is just a collective group of eyes, a collective group of individuals to resolve that with God. I, I, I put the quote out this morning. Bob Jones Sr. said, you and God make a majority. Can I say, Abraham, you and God make a majority. Moses, you and God make a majority. Joseph, you and God make a majority. It doesn't matter how many are against you. It's about who's on your side and can I say tonight you and God make a majority and all of us have that potential with God to make a difference with God think about it 1700s Jonathan Edwards great awakening one man there are others but one man 1820s Charles Finney second great awakening one man 1875 1870 to 1880 something like that D.L. Moody one man we talked about it the other day, Jer Jeremiah Lamphere, 18, was it 59 or something like that? One man started that prayer meeting. Many folks saved. Billy Sunday, 1907 to 1935. One man. Fanny Crosby, all those hymns, right? Just one lady. Martin Luther, 95 Theses. One man. Apostle Paul, one man. Peter, one man. Stephen, just one man. I remember hearing that, uh, reading that illustration where a boy was looking out his window. And back in the days when they would light lamps, those oil lamps, they would light those oil lamps. And he was watching those men as they climbed their ladder and they'd light those oil lamps on the streets. And a fellow asked him as he looked out his window, what are you doing? He said, I'm just watching those men punch holes in the darkness. And each time they'd just light that little light, it'd punch a little hole in the darkness. And I read that and I thought about the song that Juliet and I sang here in church yesterday when I was practicing preaching. She was practicing getting right with God at the altar. I don't know where she is. She's all the way in the balcony tonight. But anyway, this little light of mine, right? I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. We learned that in Sunday school. This little light. I just have one light. That's all I am. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. I wonder if you can sing it. Let's just sing it. Put your, put your light up.
Welcome to Vacation Bible School. Ready? One, two, three. This light of mine. Yeah, you can do that if you want. I'm going to let it shine. This light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Good. Amen. And that's all it is. That's all we need. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let's do this one. Let it shine till Jesus comes, right? Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Amen. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. That's it. That's what we need, by the way. Just one little light. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Now, aren't you glad you came tonight for that deep truth? But can I tell you, that children's song is exactly what we need in this generation. And I'll close. We just need every person in this place to resolve with God. I'm going to, by the grace of God, let my light keep shining. I might not can brighten the entire world, but I can knock my hole in the darkness. And when I go to work, I'm going to knock a hole in the darkness. When I go to the store, I'll knock a hole in the darkness. When I go to the park, I'll knock a hole in the darkness. When I drive down the road, I'm going to knock a hole in the darkness. In my family, I'm going to knock a hole in the darkness. For the bus kids, I'll knock a hole in the darkness for my Sunday school class. I'll knock a hole in this darkness for my country. I'll just knock my hole in this darkness and I might not can do everything, but I can do something and I don't want to neglect to do that one thing that I can do for God. I think about that boy that was walking down the seashore and there was all these starfish. You've heard this before, but laying all over the seashore and he was taking those starfish and flinging them one by one in the ocean and a skeptical man came behind him and said, son, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to save these starfish. He said, you're just one boy. He said, you can't make a difference. That boy picked up a starfish, tossed it in the water. He said, I made a difference for that one, didn't I? You might not can do everything. We might not have the voice, but you can make a difference in somebody's life. By one man, sin entered the world. But thank God, by one man, that whole mess got cleaned up. Every person here tonight packs a mighty payload of potential. And all we have to do is this. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to pray the altar be open. God spoke to your heart tonight. I pray that you'll just resolve. Hey, let's let our light shine. It's dark, but what a great time to brighten up the place. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Brother Cooper, I've been thinking that. I've been sitting there thinking that. Who am I? What am I compared to this or that or the other? You matter more than you think. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.